0: Hello, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. Hi, I'm Mara Davis, and I am the number one supporter, Senator Jen Jordan, running for Attorney General. I've finally seen her in action, and I'm excited to report about that.
1: And I'm Jen Jordan, and I am exhausted. So it has been
0: a long week, y'all, for a number of reasons. So Let's, let's jump in, man. Well, we haven't been here in a couple of weeks because you've been so busy. I mean, you've been traveling the whole state, basically, just campaigning. It's been fascinating to watch. Well, it's
1: just a lot of different things. I mean, when you've been a state senator for as long as I have been, um, and I've run, golly, I think I've run in four different campaigns, you know, for election. You know, you think that you know people or, you know, or that maybe they know you. But I tell you, once you get outside of your
0: bubble, you really, you know, Georgia's a really big state. Yes, yeah, so you were in Glen County. Yeah. You yeah. did a big event with the Glen County Democrats.
1: Yeah, they're great down there. I mean, what's fascinating is that because of the way the districts have been drawn, there's no way that they are going to have a Democrat represent them in the, the state House or Senate. But they've realized their value from a statewide perspective. And so, you know that's that's where they're getting their juice from and where they're getting energized. So it was a really it was a really good event.
0: And my Aunt Louise was there to greet you, which I was excited. I even had, you know, a a Senator Jen fan all the way in Brunswick, Georgia. Yeah, it was just it was really, really
1: interesting to see different people and hear different things. And and, you know, they were having mayoral um races coming up and they're super pumped so it was just kind of one of those things when you get outside of the bubble when you kind of get outside of the campaign basement
0: <laughs> you know, where, where we are right,
1: right now you are reminded of 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 why you're doing what you're doing
0: well and i'll tell you just to give you a vision of the campaign basement there's papers all over the wall all the different fundraisers you're doing all the different towns i'm looking at augusta athens albany savannah macon and then atlanta i mean this is a big operation there's a lot going into it you and your campaign manager meg i mean this is just like this is really serious business
1: yeah and we're just at the beginning i mean it's it's been it's been interesting for me because a lot of folks have been so focused on abrams um getting into the race but abrams doesn't have to do what i have to do like everybody knows who Stacey abrams is Stacey abrams can raise money like she can just turn the money spigot on as soon as she announces (laughs) for governor. Right. I am someone that is in, in an unknown, you know, across the state. And so I have to get out. I need to meet people. I need to raise money. And that takes time. You need, you need a, a pretty significant runway for that. So that's why we're, that's why we're hitting the road now.
0: Well, it's really been fascinating to learn along the way. I went to a fundraiser for you at Senator Elena Parent's house last night, hosted by Sherry Boston, the district attorney of DeKalb County. And I was so amazing to meet her in person. It was like, she's, 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 she's a badass. I I have to say I was kind of, and it was, incredibly meet Senator Parent too. And her home is beautiful. And it was just like, it was the party was so great, but I think I was like very starstruck by Sherry Boston. I really was. What a woman, what power.
1: Well, she's (laughs) it's, you know, I don't know who we were talking about. Somebody was saying the same thing about Tish James, right? Right. Like when she walks in the room, you're like, yeah, uh, I want to know that person. Yes. Um, and Sherry is very much that type of energy and personality, and she's lovely. I mean, lovely. She's, she's she's really, really a wonderful person.
0: Okay, so I go into the party and I didn't know anybody. Really. It was outside. Let's it, be clear. It was outside. And people were vaccinated, so I just want to kind of. That's right. It was totally COVID safe. I was so excited to see other humans and like I'd be at an event with like mingling with people and meeting and greeting, and. One common thread that I got from several of the women attorneys that I met is that so many of them said to me, yes, I know Jen, because she called me and said, I have to know you. I heard you were graded X, Y, Z. Then I heard it from one person. Then I heard it from somebody else. And then I heard from another woman who was like, when I was a young lawyer and I needed advice, Jen was there for me. So it was just like a recurring theme of how supportive you've been of of other women attorneys. Look, it's hard. It's hard to be an
1: attorney. It's especially hard to be in a field like trial work where I mean you want to talk about a subset of a subset where 99% of trial lawyers are, are men. And they also refer work to each other then because they are friends with each other. And so, you know, if you're a woman in that subset, you know, you do, you want to know, want to know the other women and you also want to uplift women because what I've learned in the over 20 years that I've practiced is that a lot of women will self-select out of law practice and they'll say, you know, I want to have a family so I can't practice or this is too hard or, you know, whatever it is. And they'll kind of take themselves off the track when they don't have to. And there are ways to stay in the game You know, even if you need to take a step back, you know, I I like to call it off ramping where maybe you want to have a child or two or three, whatever it is, you can take a step back, but you don't have to remove yourself um all
0: together from law practice. Well, they were all inspired by you and they were all there and there were even some people that knew who I was. So of course oh, I Of course <laughs> I like the attention. <laughs> you know, I don't know what I'm walking into. I was just so happy to have something to do. Then you gave your speech and as I told you, I didn't have any notes for you. I thought it was so great. I I felt like um Your biggest fan. I was just smiling ear to ear, like listening to everything that you said. I was so inspired by it. I I, if I didn't really know you and wasn't working with you like this, I'd be like, "Here's my wallet, just to take my." Well, you can still do that, Mara. (laughs) Uh, So it was so good, and so, but I, but I see what a grind that is for you. It is, and look for me, and I'm an introvert. A lot of people are
1: surprised by that, but I really am. And so, and I love people and I love being around events and being in kind of the mix like that. Yeah. But man, it just, it takes all my energy. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And, and so I just have to be very mindful of that. But what's interesting about giving speeches to people too is folks, somebody came up to me and said, Oh, this is the first time I heard your stump speech. You may have said that or somebody else said it, but it's one of those things where the speech is never exactly the same because you really are trying to key off the audience in a lot of ways.
0: It worked for me. I thought it was great. We got your humble beginnings we learned about the the you know you know you're talking because here we are at like you know in an affluent neighborhood and you know whatever right. and and the the neighborhood where you represent is not where you came from and you sort of brought that all home with your career and why you want to give back to you know help others and so it was really it just I thought it was it was really great i thoroughly enjoyed it and felt very i left there feeling inspired um so nice and i'm ready to go to everyone and you know hear it like i would hear like yeah you'll give me notes next time (laughs) no it's going to be like every time i see the indigo girls i'm excited to see closer to fine right like i'll be excited to hear about dodge county again (laughs) well it's funny i got home
1: and my husband said to me he goes yeah i got some notes for you (laughs)
0: But isn't it always the the husbands that you know they know you the best, they love you the most, and they're rooting for you the most right. and you do have to listen to them because I would say 98% of the time they are right, especially when it comes to you know what you're doing and and he knows he knows what's up. Well, and he's seen you know,
1: he's seen me when I'm really on and when <laughs> yes. I'm really not on. And there's all kinds of things in between. And so, you know, and we're working on this speech as we go because you do want it to be a speech that can that anybody
0: can relate to in some way. And and that's kind of hard. It is hard. It is hard. And it's it's also like but I do think that everybody there was really focused on it. Nobody was looking at their watch. People weren't like, oh, I want another glass of Chardonnay. Even when the dog, there was like a dog and the dog like came up and, you know, everybody had a laugh and, you know, it was, it was great. So congratulations on that. I look forward to seeing many, many more of those. I'll keep going. Hey, as long as the cheese plate and the Chardonnay is there, I'll just keep breaking into these parties. They're great. Yeah, there may be some uh, Miller (laughs) Lite at the next one. Okay, so let's talk about some of the things that are going on. That's why we're not going to have a guest today, because we wanted to catch up on what Jen's been up to and some of the issues that we've been facing. We'll go straight to HB 481, because there were some arguments, and, and then also there's the Mississippi case at the Supreme Court, and of course Texas, which we talked about last time, but... From what you've told me is some of the things that are happening in Georgia are really more intense than anything else. Yeah, I think what we have forgotten about
1: in terms of HB 481 are the provisions of the bill that they call personhood, where it basically says that an embryo is a person under Georgia law. And so if you think about kind of all the various ways that could play out, for example, you know, a woman driving in the HOV lane who can say, well, I'm pregnant, you know, whatever it is. Think about any provision of law that that actually applies to people, which almost all of them do, would apply to an embryo. And it really kind of upends the law. And I think that is the scariest part about HB 481 and it being upheld, you know, aside from the abortion prohibition is that we're going to have something that's just going to just really wreak havoc
0: and fertility doctors. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, you're dealing with embryos and they don't all work. This is going to become a problem. If, 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 if I'm a fertility or an IVF clinic, uh, am I worried right yeah, now? You are, you're, you're, you're very worried. And we actually had a lot of
1: IVF, physicians come out during 481 and give testimony and really try to lobby and say this is this is going to hurt women and it's going to hurt women's ability to have children and if if the whole point of this is to have children and 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 to welcome life into this world then this is really
0: counterproductive in terms of what what you're trying to push through so the 11th Circuit court spoke on the day we're recording. They had a hearing about it, right? So
1: they had arguments, and it was a three judge panel, okay, very conservative panel. One was Bill Pryor, one was Lagoya out of Florida, who was kind of the runner up to Amy Coney Barrett, okay, she was trying to get on the Supreme Court. And then there was some federal judge from the middle district of Florida who Looked like he was going to fall
0: asleep. But. <laughs> well, I was I can't even believe this is how like suddenly I've become invested in this that Jen told me this was going to be on. I mean, Mary <laughs> Davis was watching the live stream of the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals arguments. And I well, I got derailed because then everything happened on The View and I was like, OK, forget this. <laughs> but there's one man, I mean, he looked like he was going to fall asleep. I, I just I. So, You know, I text Jen a lot, but I only get a response for like every fifth text. And I said, somebody get that guy a Werther's original. And I got a response to that. (laughs) Well, because I was thinking the same thing.
1: (laughs) So what did they decide? So there will not be a decision for a few months normally. Um, I will say this, that based on what uh, Judge Pryor, his questioning of the advocates, I think what they're going to do is they're going to just stay the case and, and what that means is that they are going to kind of just stop everything where it is right now, not make a decision until the U.S. Supreme Court um, releases an opinion in the Dobbs case, which
0: is the Mississippi case. And this is interesting because now you've got the, all these stories in the press about, oh, the Supreme Court, they don't like that they are favorability has gone down or they don't like people thinking that they're partisan which feels like this is very leaked to the press as far as like oh of course it is they're like
1: oh poor us we're we're being (laughs)
0: politicized even though we're acting uber political right and we have talked about this too about how that's really going to be interesting because Both parties, Republicans and Democrats, will fundraise off this. And if it's off the table, then where are we at? I mean, this just is it really changes the game for everything. Look, I think this is what's been
1: interesting in terms of even the Texas law. A lot of people would say to me, it's like the dog that caught the car for the Republicans. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because if it becomes a non-issue, then they can't use it as a wedge issue. Right. Right. And it's one of the single biggest wedge issues that gets out base voters for them. And so, you know, it's interesting from that perspective. But at the end of the day, man, the whole idea of the Supreme Court just completely upending 50 years of precedent just in a blatant kind of political move. I mean, it is really going to hurt the court's reputation in terms of legitimacy.
0: Well, I would recommend this documentary. It is on Hulu right now. It's called AKA Jane Roe. And it's all about the woman who the case was based around and how she was paid by the evangelical. You know, she was like pro-choice and then it's then she all of a sudden flipped. And uh, before she died, she tells her true story about it. It's it's really, really fascinating. I highly recommend watching that. And we can you can sort of learn the origins of Roe versus Wade and and how her pregnancy kind of Began all that
1: well, and we had our own case out of Georgia called Doe versus Bolton, and Bolton was Arthur Bolton, who at the time was the Attorney General, and so we had a Jane Doe, right? Okay, and so it was a companion case that came out of Grady, I think, and what Grady's policy was with respect to whether or not a woman could get an abortion, and I think they had a three physician panel or something, and that's a really interesting um, case and. and kind of profile study, because that's just it. The the women that are actually behind these cases,
0: no one ever talks about them. Yeah. Yeah. So two good things to look into. Okay, so let's find our next uh, our next thing that's that's on the radar is this redistricting. Uh, The governor announced this redistricting.
1: Yeah, he he made the special call for the session. It'll start November 3rd, which is, by the way, the day after The mayoral municipal races all over the state. So Wednesday morning, after the mayor's race in Atlanta, or any other of the races that we're watching throughout the state,
0: we're going to have to show up bright and shiny under the gold dome. And so, what 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 what's going to be happening? Is that going to be hearings, discussions? What what goes down?
1: So what i what I anticipate will happen is that the Republicans will release their map, meaning what they believe should be passed probably the Friday before doesn't give many people much time to actually look at it and, and do an analysis. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to as quick as they can push it through mm-hmm. um, and get out of there, you know, by the 19th before Thanksgiving day. Cause the whole point is the more time you give people to actually look at something and say, well, wait a second. Now why did you draw it like this? And what are the implications of that? You know, people start to get upset about that kind of stuff. So they're just trying to rush it through as com- as quickly as possible and they're just going to basically just cram it down the throats of democrats. Well, listen, you uh will be up all night reading that stuff, so I will. I actually find <laughs> redistricting to be fascinating. Oh my god. So I was a lawyer, um I was a baby lawyer on the Larios v Cox case and which is the last kind of Rough and tumble uh, redistricting case that was here, and I just, I just could not have. You know, I was just so happy because it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's history, right? Yeah, 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 it's yeah. It's history, and you're learning something. And the law is complicated. The numbers are complicated. You're using census data. It's, it's really a fascinating process. And, um, you know, I'm actually. I feel pretty honored to be able to be down there and actually just watch it play out this year because not many people actually get to do that.
0: Well, we're thankful that you are there because, um, we you know, we need somebody to call bullshit on things that are bullshit or the, we need somebody to say, this is great if it if it is good. Well, I'm guessing it's not going to be great. Uh, okay, well, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Okay, so Governor Kemp also in the news with his vaccine shots. I just had to bring that up because this, this just him calling it an, uh, an HIV shot that people were res- resistant to get the H- HIV shot. And then he doubled down on it, which was, I mean, he just... Well, he was, he was referencing AIDS, and then I think his... <laughs> His
1: political folks were like, okay, well, we can say he meant HPV, but he did it like in three different appearances. I mean, an AIDS doesn't sound like HPV.
0: I mean, so it's just, it's just kind of incredible. Yeah, but he's like just you know, I feel like it's that guy is constantly getting beat down. I mean, before, we're recording this before the big Trump rally that's happening with Herschel Walker, who's going to be giving his very first speech and the rest of them. I mean, you know what the rest of it is going to be. I mean, there's even some of them that are that are campaigning on Trump one. This is another universe. And th- he's basically saying People are not going to come out and vote for Kemp again.
1: No, he said it. Yeah. He said it. He was like, oh, he's not he's not going to win reelection anyway, because, <laughs> you know, the base voters won't come out for him. I mean, I, I do not know what Brian Kemp did to Donald Trump. But man, Trump can hold a grudge like nothing I've ever seen. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. I mean, he's like a giant baby. You know, when you there's like the most spoiled baby that like you can't that they just get everything that they want. And if they don't get it, there's a huge temper tantrum. And I feel like that's what he's treated like. He's treated like a giant baby.
1: But what's fascinating is that Brian Kemp has done everything he could possibly do to please <laughs> this man. I mean, you want to talk about bending over backwards. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's like, oh, no bass, no vaccines, oh no, all of this stuff. He's played into every line that that Trump has pushed
0: out there and um,
1: you know, it's just never enough.
0: I mean, listen, even his most loyal, the biggest loyalist, Lindsey Graham and uh, Senator Mike Lee out of Utah, you know, when they tried to come up with this, you know, here's how we're going to f- overthrow the election.
1: Here, here's how we're going to overthrow the government. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fact that we're talking about this openly and that there are stories about how, well, this is, this is the the 10 step plan to how we're going to make sure that uh, we steal the election. And and it's just kind of just a story,
0: just right. another day. Right. So is there anything to this? You know, there was an article in the AJC about, oh, you know, he could really be in big trouble for, you know, making that call saying, find me the votes, that that because of these lawsuits that he's really going to be in trouble. But I feel like nothing's ever going to happen to him ever.
1: Yeah, the, the deal is in terms of the law, absolutely. I mean, there are dozens of ways that the man has broken the law, um, that there could be in really serious, really serious allegations that have been made that can be proven, I believe. the The problem is that, especially under Georgia law, you have to have a unanimous jury and we see, so this is more of a political issue than okay. it is a legal okay. issue. The legal issue is, yeah, he's broken the law, and I yep. think it's going to be pretty easy to prove, Okay. Right? The problem is making the, the decision of whether or not to go forward with the prosecution when you know you have to have a unanimous jury verdict in the state, and we are so divided. And I can't imagine getting 12 people who would all see eye to eye right. when it came to
0: something to do with Donald Trump. Right. Okay, so let's shift over to COVID for a little bit and school boards. The good news is is that it seems like the COVID numbers seem to be coming down a little the, bit. The best news is is that it looks like the
1: vaccine for the 5 to 11-year-olds is going to come rolling out pretty soon. It's very exciting. It,
0: it's incredible.
1: It's incredible.
0: But it's been interesting. There's still a lot of parents who are very hesitant about it. And I heard Dr. Lena Nguyen, um talking about how she f- had a deeper understanding for parents who were a little bit more concerned about not to rush to have their kids vaccinated. What are your thoughts about? I mean, for me, I took my son to be vaccinated the minute he had a chance to. But for oh, the, my gosh, a- I think on my child's birthday.
1: Like I was yeah. like, you could not I, I could not get a shot
0: quick enough for my children. Right. So but but here we are, you know, it's just a little more than half of the population is is vaccinated in Georgia. I don't even know where we are at this point. I don't think we're at 50%. I don't think so either.
1: And and the problem is that I mean it's it's wrecking havoc outside of the metro Atlanta area. Metro Atlanta I think is stabilizing a lot more quickly. I think it's I think we're over the worst everywhere fingers crossed. But it's it's really bad and it has hit our healthcare providers. People have been dying. There have been so many children hospitalized. I mean, I think the number I saw yesterday that there was 1 million children hospitalized across the country. That's terrible. I mean, it's it's terrible especially if there was a way to prevent that. And a lot of that has to do with the adults getting vaccinated so that then the variant doesn't, you know, grow and mutate, you know? So I'm
0: not sure what's going on. With people. So the stuff with schools has been particularly fascinating because school board meetings seem to be ground zero for people to behave badly speak out. Um, Sometimes people aren't even like members of the school. uh, They're not even parents. They don't even have children at the school. So it's really become a bizarre thing. And I I feel like it's got to be so hard to be on a school board. I I do want to mention quickly Cobb County had a huge school board meeting to address a lot of things. Cobb County has gotten a bad rap over the past couple of weeks just because there's been some anti-Semitic graffiti uh and at Pope High School and Lasseter High School and wasn't handled that great and rightfully so a lot of parents were very, very upset about this. And they just seemed to be just like,
1: oh well. Well, I think there were a lot of students that were actually upset about it too. And um and and some have spoken out. And look, Cobb the, the Cobb school board is Watching it has been like watching kind of like a train wreck this year. The latest, obviously, is the anti-Semitism and the failure to really deal with it properly. But the biggest story really to come out of there is just the complete lack of listening to scientists, listening to the medical professionals, masks, vaccinations, whatever it is. I mean, Cobb County is is one of the most diverse, vibrant counties in this state. And I mean, they haven't
0: at least some members of that school board definitely haven't been acting like it's a real bummer. And it's it's just uh, but, you know, it's not just a Cobb County. I mean, you see it all over. We were talking about and I'll play a little clip of it of Jordan Klepper from The Daily Show going to one of these anti-mask rallies. And I mean, it's very eye opening.
1: Well, there's been this whole movement for people to run for school board seats so that they can take over. You know, you're not going to vaccinate my kid. You're not going to make my kid, you know, mask up. You're not going to make my kid go to the bathroom or somebody else's bathroom. Whatever whatever the, the issue du jour of the Republican Party is of the day, it seems to have its place ground zero in the school systems of this country. And so there really has been a movement for for there to be a takeover uh, of these local boards. And I mean, that's that's terrifying.
0: Well, one clip from this was they're like, we don't want government in our schools. And they're like, well, you go to public schools. So the government is in your
2: schools. Yeah, that
0: that thing. (laughs)
2: I don't co-parent with the government. Well, you don't want to co-parent with the government. Don't get pregnant in Texas. There we go. Don't get pregnant anywhere. Your kids go to private school? They're enrolled in public school. Isn't that kind of co-parenting with the government? No, it isn't. Because you know why? We have a board of education. We also elect who our officials are. We get to have a voice. Right. So you work with the government? We do. In parenting decisions? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're in public school. So you do kind of co-parent with the government? We're going to get your emails. In that you regard, know, I guess yeah. If you want to say my taxes pay for that, yeah. But you're giving back your child tax credit. So.
0: You know that whole civics, right. right? Yeah, it's it's really it's so bizarre. I mean, there's just I I, I it's it's really. A very scary thing. I think how doom scrolling and technology and social media has really is it's it's an epidemic. It's a crisis because people are being fed so much misinformation where um, I read something earlier. Well, like people want to get people out of ICUs because they don't believe the doctors and nurses in there and they want to put them in hospice care so they can get the the horse medication. I mean, there's there's. You know, it's and it's tough, too, when you read these stories of, you know, beloved mother of four, you know, dies and, you know, it's you know, you have empathy for the kids. Well, I think one of
1: the bigger issues, too, is the impact on other people. And I'm not even just talking about the virus, but even my campaign manager, her grandmother had an episode where she needed to be hospitalized and they could not get her a bed in the hospital. Wow. And it took forever for them to actually get her admitted so that she could be stabilized. And she's in her 90s. So it's one of these things where we're not even, let's take the virus out of it, whatever your politics, whatever. But when you have boards of health or public health officials saying, yeah, you should be a little bit careful. Maybe you shouldn't get in a car wreck because there's not any room at the hospital for you. You know, we've really got to start thinking about how our individual behavior is affecting the public as a whole.
0: It's a bizarre. We're an earth, too. <laughs> I say that all the time when I see and hear certain things that are like, like some of the stuff, you know, these kookaloos say, you know, from Marjorie Taylor Greene to J.D. Vance to that Josh Mandel from Ohio, from like people like Jody Heiss here in Georgia, uh, Burt Jones, these guys. They're saying some crazy, crazy stuff. And people are like, yeah, okay, cool. Well, and
1: the problem is, is that the primary system, especially on the on the Republican side, awards that. So the the people that are saying the craziest stuff will be on the stage with Donald Trump this weekend and will be lauded by him. So it's just like anything else. When people see that you're awarded for certain types of behavior then that's the kind of behavior they
0: have. But is the shine wearing off? Because here we are, like, look at, you know, and I know it's hard to take the California recall election and apply that to anything else because California is such a democratic state. But a lot of people came out and said they voted because of reproductive rights, that that is what motivated them to get out there. And, you know, is that an example? I mean, was that worth it? They wasted all of that money. Is, is the Trump shine wearing off at this point?
1: Yeah, I don't think that we can export any kind of political conclusion for Georgia from from, from California. Okay, OK, I think it's, we're just completely different. And I think what we're seeing with respect to Trump is that at least here in the state, at least for 22, he is going to play a major role. Wow. For good or for bad. That's
0: just oh. And while we're, we're st- I, you know, I hate to keep talking about him, but it's like the January 6th. There is a bunch of people who were subpoenaed. Mark Meadows, Steve Bannon. I think there were like five or six people. What if they don't show up? I mean, you know, that's what they do. What's going to happen? How are they going to enforce that?
1: Well, it depends on who subpoenas them. You know, and there there is the power to put people in jail. Will they do it? I I sure as hell would.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Yes, (laughs) Yes you know <laughs> yes. I mean, well you know Mark Meadows, that one I mean it seems like he was really in on to January sixth. I mean, it seems like he really knew a lot more um it 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 is an odd
1: thing because I think that we're going to learn so much more, yeah, about just how almost normalized this whole overturning the election, the January sixth insurrection. You know, putting Trump back into office, how how normalized talking about that stuff and coming up with a plan was
0: in the highest office in the land and and, and with some of the most powerful people. At the well, time. yeah, and they're all brainwashed. There was another piece I had seen. I'll play a little clip of it. This was on CBS Sunday morning with Ted Koppel. He went to Mayberry, to North Carolina, the town Mount Airy, uh, North Carolina, to sort of see, you know, Mayberry, the good old days, or whatever. And he's he's telling people like, uh, you know, people are like, we love the good old days. And he did bring up a good point. He was like, well, you know, it wasn't the good old days if you were black. And it wasn't the good old days if you were coming back from Vietnam. Like, you know, so we, you know, we have in our mind what the good old days are. And so people were, they were open to that, those conversations. But then he was at the end, he asks them about the election.
2: Now, I, I know you came here to have a good time and not to talk politics. But let me just ask you, as a matter of curiosity, how many of you think we had a fair election? No way. I saw two hands go up, so is it fair to say the rest of you think that it was not a fair election? No, it wasn't. I, never, I don't think it was at all. Was it a fair election? By no means. Because? I think there was a lot of voter fraud. It's not been proven. There's been people that's voted that's been dead 15 years. I think it's more the mail-in ballots. You don't know how much of those that were duplicated, triplicated, the whole bit. Look how many dead people voted for Biden. One question. It's a serious question, and I know you all will take it seriously. Tell me what you think happened on January 6th at Congress. They showed truckloads of people that they were bringing in for this. It was all staged, and that's how that started. They even showed pictures of us on the news about these vehicles coming in with all these BLM people. Yes, sir. You were starting to say. disgrace our country. Whose fault was it? One writer did blame Donald Trump, but he was in a distinct moment.
0: I think it was stage. We've been to a lot of She's the Trump of rallies. rallies. I don't understand why they're focusing so much on that one issue when there's so many cities that are being burned down
2: every day by protesters. That's supposed to be peaceful. But it's all but focused on well, holding they're, these they're, two they're, people. Murder, kill everybody who's <laughs> <was> there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hang on dude Put him in jail. Put them in jail. We don't even watch news on TV. And we, we don't
0: know. We don't feel like that we are being told the truth. No. And they're, I mean, it's really very troubling. They're all in denying. So these people are still brainwashed, and they're still going to be brainwashed. No. And you, you were talking about social media. I think, I think that is,
1: we are going to really have to have a reckoning in this country about the role that that social media has played in terms of misinformation and and the brainwashing of of our electorate and our people, because if we don't have a reckoning, then we're really going to see our democracy continue to crumble because we can't sustain it when we just let this kind of I mean, it really it's almost worse than COVID in terms
0: of a virus. It is. I mean, it is. And, and it's killing us. It, it is. And watching the people who say that, you know, that some of these people are probably very good people at their core, at their hearts. Uh, and, and it's just, they've been taken over by this giant monster. Okay. Let's wrap this up with two things that are fun. One is the governor of West Virginia. I don't know if you've, cause I know you're a bulldog fan, Um, And have you seen baby dog? I've seen pictures. (laughs) This is just a little clip of Governor Jim Justice in West Virginia and baby dog.
2: If you won't do it for your family, you've got to get vaccinated for baby dog. That's all there is to it. Now, she wants you vaccinated so badly. And she's going to absolutely be the one to lead us through on this, all these incentives. And without any questions, she'll give you a high five right now. But you have got to get yourself vaccinated.
0: Now, here's my thing. You've got Georgia, where we are the bulldogs. The First Lady, Marty Kemp, is an animal advocate. She's a rescue advocate. That's one of her main causes. I don't understand why they can't have fun and do something like this. Well, because then you actually have to advocate for people to get (laughs) vaccines, right?
1: (laughs) Yes. I mean, I, 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 even e- did you see the the um, where Monica Pearson was with the governor and they did a little it's like a PSA. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So Ooh, where was, is that?
1: It was on Twitter. So oh, I'm going to pull that yeah. and play it now.
2: I'm Governor Brian Kemp
1: and I'm First Lady of Georgia Marty Kemp.
2: We're joined by a very special guest today who has an important message.
1: Hi, I'm Monica
0: Kaufman Pearson.
2: We We're are all, all vaccinated, vaccinated against, against COVID-19. 19.
0: Illness caused by COVID-19 affects our citizens, schools, healthcare heroes, businesses, and our state's economy. That's why we are all encouraging
1: Georgians to learn about the benefits of being vaccinated.
2: Let's take the politics out of it. Your decision to get vaccinated should be about your health. And now on that, that, we all agree.
1: So what's fascinating is that Kemp basically is still sticking with the whole line of go And talk to a trusted medical professional for a vaccine. He can't say the words, go get a vaccination. Oh,
0: wow. I got to call Monica about that. Oh, I bet she's got some backstory. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, you know what? Props to Monica Pearson. We got to have her back on again because she's just so much fun. She's so open-minded and so bright. Well, and she's seen so much just from where you know,
1: what her job was for so many years and has met so many incredible people and probably some people that aren't so incredible.
0: Yeah. She's just a phenomenal woman. Okay. And finally, here's some nice news for you to leave with. There's uh, now Georgia is offering a daily bird forecast. Now I love this Jen, because I love birds. The Georgia Audubon society has a bird forecast. So you can see what birds are coming in and out. And I think this is awesome. All the birds that are migrating in, everything from songbirds to sparrows to warblers. I mean, this is amazing. It's like every time we do this podcast,
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm just blown away by something else that I would never have thought about you, Mara.
0: Through the pandemic, I, you know, I walk so much and these hawks. Absolutely blow my mind! They are so stunning and spectacular, and you know they're eyeing your dogs. I mean, they're they're like looking. Oh, I know. They're looking for <laughs> vermin, but the fact that they just know exactly what they're doing and nobody can mess with them, I am super into a bird report. So, what have we learned? We've learned about your campaigning. We've learned about HB four eighty one redistricting. Baby dog. Yeah, baby dog. School board meetings and birds. I mean, look,
1: this is this is the deal for people who are listening to us. This is a Friday. It's beautiful outside. (laughs) We're very tired. And we're really just talking to
0: each other. Well, I'm just so glad that uh, that you're here and that you want to still do this podcast. Everybody go to Jen, the number four G-A. If you have a dollar, just give it to Jen because she's going to get the work done. I'm opening my wallet. You should too. We're going to keep being here. Thanks, Christina Laringer, for producing and putting up with us. And I am actually on Jen's calendar every other week to record this podcast so we can keep it going because you're a very busy woman. I am, but you know what? We... We got to keep this going. Got to keep it going. Got to keep talking about birds. (laughs) (laughs) Got to keep tweeting. We'll talk to you soon.